gone. She reached a hand to his cheek. I'm fine now, really. Go back to sleep. His fingers smoothed her hair, then gently rested on her shoulder. Marty lay quietly, and in a few moments Clark's breathing assured her that he was asleep again. Marty had control of her thoughts now. With the terror of the dream pushed aside, now she used the quiet moments before the dawn to think through and plan for the activities of the day. Over the winter months, every moment the community menfolk could spare from their own work had been given to felling and skidding logs. The families in the area felt strongly the need for a school for the educating of their children, and they knew the only way they would get one would be to build the structure themselves and find a teacher to go with it. It would be a simple one-room affair, built near the creek on a piece of property donated by Clark and Marty Davis. Gradually, the piles of logs had grown. The men had been anxious to bring in the required number in front of the spring thaw. And then, before the land would be beckoning to their plows, there would be time for a work bee or two. The log count had been taken. The requirement filled. Tomorrow was the day set aside for the school raisin. The men hoped to complete the walls and perhaps even add the rafters. The building would then be completed through the summer as time allowed. By fall, the children would have a school of their own. Marty's thinking jumped ahead to the teacher. They still needed to find a teacher, and they were so difficult to locate and interest in coming out to the frontier. Would they build their school only to discover that they were unable to obtain a qualified teacher? No, they must all pray. Pray that the little group working on the search would be fruitful, that their efforts of building the school would not be in vain, that a suitable teacher would be found. Little Missy would not attend the school for its first term. She would be five come November and probably too young to join the others starting in the new school. Marty felt torn. She wanted Missy at home with her for another year. Still, in all the excitement over the new school, it was hard to not be actually involved with a child in attendance. She reminded herself again that Clark and she had decided Missy should wait. A hard decision, for Missy talked about the new school constantly. At first, the school had seemed so far into the future but now here they were on the threshold of its burthen. The thought of it stirred Marty, and she knew she would be unable to go back to sleep, even though she should. It was too early to begin the day's work. Her moving about might waken the other members of the family. She lay quietly, sorting out in her mind what food she would prepare for the school work crew on the morrow, and what would need to be done in preparation today. She mentally dressed each of her children, and even mentally noted which of the neighbor women she might want to have a chat with when the work would allow it. The opportunity to gather together, even if it meant hard work and extra effort, was something Marty treasured, and she knew the others of their community shared her anticipation. The minutes seemed to tick by slowly, and finally her restlessness drove her from under the covers, she lifted herself carefully and slowly, for the child she carried made most movements cumbersome. Just another month, she reminded herself, 
and we will see who this is. Missy was hoping for a baby sister, but little Claire didn't care. A baby was a baby to his small boy way of thinking. Besides, a baby stayed in the house, and he, at every opportunity, marched along with his pa, trying to match his steps with Clark's. So Claire couldn't see a baby adding much to his world. Marty slipped into her house socks and wrapped a warm robe about her. The little house was cold in the morning. She went first to look in on the sleeping Missy and Claire. It was still too dark to see well, but through the light from the window, their outlines assured her that they were covered and comfortable as they slept. Marty went onto the kitchen and, as quietly as possible, lit the fire in the reliable old kitchen stove. Marty felt a kinship with her stove, almost like a man with his team. She reckoned with a little smile. The stove and she worked together to bring warmth and sustenance to this home and family. Of all the things their home held, the stove she felt was really hers. The fire was soon crackling, and Marty put the kettle on to boil and then filled the coffee pot. It would be a while before the stove warmed the kitchen and the coffee began to boil, so Marty pulled her robe about her for warmth and lifted Clark's worn Bible from the shelf. She'd have time to read and pray before the family began to stir. She felt especially close to God this morning. The dream had made her aware again of how much she had to be thankful for, and the anticipation of the new school added to her feelings of well-being. As close and cared for as she felt with Clark, only God truly understood her innermost self. She was glad for the opportunity to pour it all out to the one she had come to know only recently. Marty sat slowly sipping the hot coffee, enjoying its warmth spreading through her whole being. She felt refreshed now, both physically and spiritually. Again, her eyes sought out the passage on the pages open in her lap. The verse had seemed meant especially for her at this particular time. Be strong and of a good courage. Be not afraid, neither be thou dismayed. For the Lord thy God is with thee whithersoever thou goest. The words were rich in promise and a comfort to her, particularly after her troubled dream. Alone, the word was a haunting one. She was so thankful she was not alone. Once more, in deep humbleness and gratitude, she acknowledged the wisdom of her father in bringing Clark so quickly to her. After the tragic death of husband Clem, she realized now that as soon as she had inwardly healed sufficiently to be able to reach out to another, Clark was already there, eager to welcome her. Why had she fought God's provision for her for so long, with every fiber of her being? Ma Graham had said it took time for the heart and the emotions to be restored, and Marty was sure that was the reason. Given that time, and Clark's gentle patience, she had been able to love again. To love and be loved, to belong, to be a part of another's life. What a precious part of God's plan for His creation! She thought as she poured herself another cup of coffee. 
Had she ever been able to really tell Clark all she felt? Somehow to attempt putting it into words seemed never to do her true feelings the proper justice. Oh, she had tried to express it verbally, but words were so inadequate. Instead, she sought to say it with her eyes, her actions. Indeed, her very being responded to him daily in a hundred ways. The little life within her gave a sudden kick. And you, Marty whispered, you are one more expression of our love. Not just the creating of you, but the birthing and the raising. That's love, too. You're special, you know. Special for we even know who you are. Special because you're ours. God-given. God bless you, little un, and make you strong of body, mind, and spirit. Might you grow tall and straight in every way. Make your pa proud, and he will be proud. Long as you're beautiful and strong of soul, even if your body should be weak or your mind crippled, just be upright of spirit. I know your pa. That's what's most important to him. And to your ma, too. A stirring from the bedroom interrupted Marty's inner conversation with her unborn child, and a moment later, Clark appeared. You're up early, Marty said, welcoming him with a smile. Couldn't you sleep either? Now, who could lay abed with the smell of that coffee floating in the air? I declare, if the those ladies anxious to catch themselves a man would wear the aroma of fresh perked coffee...